Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. I am not the same as you, nor nor do I want to be the same as you. And so I that's why I'm saying that's why people listen to me on some level, because I'm willing to have the, the actual real conversation. It doesn't hurt my feelings that I'm a biological female in any way, shape or form. I've been given a gift. I look at my transition as a mm. gift. I look mm. at the fact that I get to be this man today, though I lived half my life as a, in the female space. That's a gift. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. Hi, my friends. Today's episode explores sensitive topics around gender dysphoria, sex, pornography, the trans experience that my guest has, and children medically transitioning. I wanted to record a brief introduction for today's episode because the topic and the guest are both very controversial. The topic is on gender dysphoria and how having gender dysphoria doesn't automatically make you transgender. Transgender is a very difficult road to walk and becomes a beautiful one once you walk it with 
grace and pain and therapy and support and you get to that place where you finally feel like you've arrived in your body that your body is finally your home i as an intersex person understand this so deeply i understand gender dysphoria i've had it i understand body dysmorphia i've had it and i understand gender affirming surgery i've had it i also don't believe in labeling everyone who doesn't conform to their gender or their sex as transgender. And I've been getting curious about who I could explore this topic with in a way that wasn't aggressive or political or picking sides or maliciously putting anybody down. So I thought of bringing on Buck Angel. I saw his documentary maybe over a decade ago, and I was so moved by his spirit and his heart. I thought he was like a really sweet, fun, open, fluid person, and turns out to be he is. Also turns out that he pisses off a lot of people. Like me, he doesn't fit into any box. He is a misfit that has been kicked out of the club with other misfits, <laughs> and I can relate to that. So I don't believe or agree with everything he says, but I enjoy speaking to all people and I will continue on this podcast especially to bring in people with differing opinions from my own so I can learn and grow my capacity for difference, my capacity for charged conversations, and even my capacity for controversy. So I ask you to listen to this with an open mind, take your time, see where it takes you, and know that next week I will be releasing an episode specifically around how to work with gender dysphoria holistically. So I want to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Buck Angel. Thank you for being here. You have such a great energy. I'm already <laughs> like, wow, I feel like I need to just like get into the sauna right now. <laughs> so We're going to step into the sauna together right <laughs> I now. feel like it. It's so good. <laughs> I need your energy, my friend. Thank you. Well, I, I was saying to you, but I wanted everyone to hear, in 2013, Mr. Angel came out, this documentary about your your life. And yeah. um, you're a pioneer in so many ways. And I was so moved by the documentary uh, because I think what moved me the most, there's your spirit as a person, which is just, I see you as so bubbly and loving and funny and silly and wonderful and, and wise. And then there's this just unexplored example of being trans where you can overcome your dysphoria and love your biology, even though it's opposite of your identity. Yes, And I, it's something I don't hear enough. And when I saw the documentary and I saw you with your body and being so comfortable with it, I thought, whoa, that's my role model oh, um, wow. for real. And so because when I was you know, born with my intersex condition, mm -hmm. I ended up getting top surgery when I was 23. And anyone who has a female body that gets top surgery, they know, oh, I have hips. I didn't realize that before. That's right. right. And so the breasts were gone and now these hips were staring me in the mirror. Yeah. And I could have gotten liposuction, like shaved them down. I was not going to go there. So to this day, there's a bit of dysmorphia, you know, slightly, slightly, but it, it ruled my life for a while. And when I saw you with your body, I thought, that's my inspiration. Oh, so God. thank you. Thank wow, you that's that. like so powerful. That's the whole point of me putting myself out there was I knew there were people like me. I knew it. And mm -hmm. there you are. And you're not you're not trans, but there's people. See what I'm saying? People. Yeah. I, I, my work is never just about trans. It's always just about people and sort of our bodies are all different. Strip people out their clothes, put them all in a row naked. And you're going to see every type of body there is. There's no such thing as for me like 
this typical this male body and this female body i think it's actually Agreed. those are those are less than the majority of you know what i mean so that dysphoric thing comes from this idea that you have to look this way as a man right exactly and that yeah. that involves like cis biological men that involves trans that involves right. intersex non-binary like anybody is going to have that that's right um well i think what i want to start doing is anyone that isn't familiar with you introduce you so you call yourself a trampa, which I love. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, oh, my, new, you're my new trampa, trampa buck is what. Thank me. you. Um, but I want to know about. I want to begin with your childhood. Like, just tell us what. Because another thing about your story that I love is you didn't you didn't have abuse in your household or any kind of oppression of your identity as it was expressing. So teach us, tell us that part. Let's start there. Well, first off, my parents rock. <laughs> so, you know, of course, you know, I, okay, I, I'm 60. I was born in 1962. So I grew up in the 60s and 70s um, as a tomboy. Totally, that's what we called people like myself. So I was a very masculine little girl. I have an older sister and a younger sister. I'm the middle child. Uh, and just, just so it's clear, people listening, you were born female. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm a biological female. So I was born female. And um, my, uh, so my life was mostly about being being sort of a tomboy and really just masculinization for on for some you know lack of a better expression there but you know very masculine very much wanting to play with the boys my my sisters play with girl toys blah 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 totally cool my parents were super cool I, I, the buck name everybody was awesome it was the boy name so here's the real part of the sort of story that i think is important for most people to hear it is puberty puberty can wreak havoc on all of us and it can actually put us into a spiral especially if you think you're a little boy and all of a sudden a period comes so i got my period late as a girl right i didn't start till i was 16 which is oh, wow. very very late for a girl so so i'm not really sort of around 16 year old girls at that time i'm hanging out with 13 and 12 year old boys <laughs> because yeah. i felt more comfortable which is really kind of interesting every time i think about it you know I, and my parents at one point were like no you cannot be playing with 12 year old boys you've got to like <laughs> move on here and you know my 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 parents friends were at some point and this was in the 70s saying stuff like well that's your daughter not your son stop treating her like you know my parents got very mad about that but i think they also got shamed mm. you know speaking to my parents now uh they got they felt shamed by just letting me be this boy and so eventually that started turning into turmoil and i had to start being more of a girl and that started with the alcoholism and the what did that what did that look like when they were like you need to start being a girl buck what, what, i just what, what flipped my brain so what it meant was i can no longer be the buck boy i have to now be the laura girl and mm. i have to start being called laura and i have to start maybe dressing more girl-like and just kind of more attaching to being a girl than everyone treating me like a boy so it was a shift in my identity on some level and a shift in my reality and because now, at, a, at a young age your parents let you present as a boy you're that's able to right boys yeah that's totally. when did that, what age did that start where they let you do that i mean forever forever really? i can tell you my parents were so cool they were because they saw me happy that way right they so, just saw me happy in a way you actually grew up as a boy that's like, right obviously biologically female but identity that's wise right. how you put social socially transitioned socially a, transitioned that's beautiful yes. so your development yes. was in a social transition that's right like, until that is, it became puberty until it became puberty so so here's where i don't want people to think certain things so remember my puberty is 16 not 10 yeah. 
Yeah. Right. So big difference. I'm already, my brain's growing. I'm going through things, but I didn't go through the app. Well, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is here, maybe I'm already going through puberty, but my period. So my yes, period didn't start that. until 16. And that could also be some other things. Like I was a pretty big runner. So I was running a lot, right. Long distance running. And I was, you know, kind of put in this very kind of uh, professional space. I was a high, you know, ranking female runner. And so I had no body fat. So again, you know, those things can play into the the, the female body yeah. period and yeah. all of these types and growth. So I didn't really have breasts until later on, they started to kind of grow. And then I remember when they first started around 15 or 16, and then I just, I would do this thing where I would smash them. Mm. I would totally smash them. And then my mom would see me and she'd be like, no, stop that. But I, for a long time, I was just, I don't want boobs. And I would totally hit my chest and um, do st weird stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. anyways, long story short, I just started to feel depressed in high school and not able to function and not knowing what's wrong with me. And I thought I was a gay woman, right? I started having attraction to girls and back in the seventies, oh my God, you'd, and I was, you know, being sponsored by big companies for my running. And, you know, one of the things that came out of everyone's mouth was you better not be a lesbian. You'll lose your endorsements. You'll lose everything. And so yeah. I had to deal with homophobia back in the day because I knew I was attracted to women. Yeah. I didn't necessarily know I was a man, if that makes sense. It, it does. It, it wasn't does. on my, it wasn't on everyone's lit trans like it is today was nowhere near. No, no. I mean, the trans people that no. I, I knew for that era, they were like secretly living in the East Village in Brooklyn. That's they were, like, right. The Hollywood lawns, you know. That's right. That's that right. Was it. That was it, really. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, you know, then I kind of got into alcoholism and drugs and, you know, this, the kind of same story that a lot of people who are not feeling comfortable with themselves, not just trans, gay, whatever, you know, yeah. not feeling comfortable. I got really deep into drugs and alcohol and ruined my life. I didn't graduate high school. I became a cutter. So I was cutting myself all the time. I was mm. fighting. I was a mess and got deep into alcoholism where I was, became homeless and prostitution until I finally somehow got out of it and got sober. And for what age are we talking there where you're prostituting? And so I can't okay. tell you the whole story because it gets so insane. Like I became a fashion model. I went to Europe and was fashion model as a woman. And I was one of the very first androgynous females back in the eighties. And they just saw me, they wanted to make me a supermodel. They were mm -hmm. dying and they were like, <laughs> and I was like, ew, where's the cocaine? <laughs> 80s cocaine oh my god that little snapshot was all you had to give us that's, <laughs> that's perfect, right perfect and i spiraled down from there to well homelessness. I, I have to say though what i also love about this snapshot of your life is you it, it's a lot of the and we'll get to this much later mm -hmm. but a lot of the people that we see that mistakenly think they're trans are really trying to escape like a negative connotation with their sex or gender but you grew up with a lot of positive connotation with your sex yes. and gender. So that wasn't yes. even, it was so natural for you. There wasn't anything in the external yes. world making you think you were trans. Never. And I never thought I was trans. That you never even, never, it wasn't even thought. I thought I know. was a boy. I thought I was a man. So that's why I always have this sort of pushback with today's new sort of trans uh, ideology, because I didn't know the word trans. And I still today tell you that I'm not trans. I'm a transsexual person with a mental disorder called transsexualism who wants to live as a man. I know I'm a biological female. There's no, I'm not arguing. I would never argue that. It's the reason I'm a transsexual. So there's no reason to argue that. And so that being said, my experience 
is that I want to be a man. I do not want to be trans. It is not an identity choice. And this is really important for people to see. I can show you the difference for people like myself and people of this new generation of claiming to be trans. There's two, we're not the same. Yeah. So what, so I'm curious, you're 28, you're homeless, you're prostituting, you're addicted. Yes. So first, before the trans piece came in, when yes. did you start? I don't know, you don't identify with transsexual piece. I'll use your yeah. words. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. When did, what got you off the streets? Like, what was the shift first? Yeah. So, so this is like crazy. I was, so I was prostituting for survival to get my crack cocaine because I was addicted to crack and yeah. I was living right here in West Hollywood on the street. Anyway, long story short, a, a guy, so you learn to prostitute. It's not something that you're sort of like going to school for. You just, just figure it out. So yeah. men would pick me up. I was still a girl at the time, but I would dress like this with a cat, with a hat and, you know, as masculine as possible. And I would get picked up. Like I look like a little boy. Right. So anyways, to do the deed, but this one guy pulled up one night and, and he was in this nice car and he was young. And most of the time it was always old men. Right. And so I just like, he's like, Hey dude, want to go hang out and party at my house? I got lots of cocaine. I'm like, cocaine. <laughs> I'm the magic word. That's right. I jump in his car. We go to his house. And I'll, honestly, I never forget this story because it's so such a profound part of why I'm here today. And I'll never he was right behind me as we're walking to the door and he whispers in my ear, I know you're a girl and I'm going to F you like basically fuck you. And I'm like, what? And I was like, what? And it, I, I can feel I'm going to get killed. I knew mm. it. I just knew mm. I was going to get killed. And so I just did the thing and did the dirty deed with him. And then right afterward, like he changed. He was so psychopathic. And then after we did the thing, like he literally was like kind of chill. And I go, hey, dude, you know what? I got to get back to the donut shop because, you know, I got to. He was like, I said, like, do you think you could just take me there real quick? And he did. And I was like, oh, my God, that was my that was my sign from the universe that said, if you do not stop what you're doing, you will die. I knew it. I heard it. And yeah. I got sober from that point. I called people and they picked me up and I got into a rehab and I never looked back. I, I did those moments, right? It's like Ugh. those moments that seem Ugh. like you could, you could capitalize the T as a trauma, like this, this ruined my life, but it's really a moment that saved your life. It was like this 100%. horrible experience was what you needed to propel you into a different direction. A hundred percent. And it's why I think my mind has never, I mean, I could visually picture the whole thing, the guy's face, everything, everything. Yeah. And it's just such a crazy moment. And it's the reason I'm here. That man actually on some level saved my life. Yeah, I feel that. I, I've had similar things with boys when I was growing up and mm -hmm. these moments had changed me forever, like for the good. Right. For the good. So so yeah. you're, that that initiates this response of, I have to change my life. You get sober, you get support, you get help. Yep. How do you discover you're trans? How do you discover that you're yeah. not a girl? Right. So remember, now I'm talking about, I think this is like the late 80s, early 90s, right? So I get a job at this place in a warehouse and I really just buckle down and get sober and really start to focus on what am I going to do? I have no idea to keep the boy thing quiet because every time I, or man thing, every time I would say it to any therapist and through my sobriety, I started going to therapy and really working on, on myself and trying to figure out what's going on. And all the therapists would just, when I'd say, I, well, I feel very male or I feel, and they'd be like, well, what does that mean? And you know, no, you're not, you're just a masculine woman. And now I get why they said that because that's what they knew to say mm -hmm. and what their experience was. And also on some level, maybe pushing back, which is what therapy should do. And, um, 
eventually I did find a therapist when I said to her, I stopped saying it because they would always just say no. So yeah. I found a therapist and she, and I said to her, you know, I would sit in her office for the first month. I never said a word. I would just sit in there and just, and she try to get me to say stuff. And I was just, didn't feel like saying anything. So eventually that fifth session, I said, you know, um, I feel like a man. And I just started crying because it just all came out of me. I'm going to cry now because mm-hmm. I remember how profound it was. And I was just waiting for her to say, no, you're not. You're a woman and you have to deal with it. And she said, I know. Those two words, I know. Ooh, and I was I'm like, feeling that in my body right now when you say that. Yeah. I, I mean, what? Did I just hear her say, I know? And um, that was the moment why I'm here today. I will always give my therapist that. She she was willing, a woman, a gay woman who had never had any experience with trans, any of it, didn't even understand what it meant, nor did I. We didn't even use the word trans. We just said, I felt like a boy. And She felt it in you. She felt it. She felt so it. This is where you and I will disagree lovingly about the, like the mental disorder. Because sure. I, I understand, sure. I understand why it's called a mental disorder. I get yeah. it. Yeah, I also right. understand like that's in present day trans communities. That's like a controversial way to say it. Oh, yeah, totally. So so I actually don't see it as present day trans people. They say I, I they say it's my identity sure. and I don't see it as disorder. I truly see it as spirit um, Yeah. because the people I have worked with, my friends that I've had being intersex myself, yeah. you know, there's this term in the Lakota tradition in the 90s was coined two spirit. And it's like, that's always resonated with me so much, especially being intersex. But when I'm, I remember my friend who was on the podcast, Kalen, um, he's a trans man. And he was saying, the first time I ever saw him, he was at, um, he was working at a cashier desk, you know, or he was at at a cash register. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I were going through the line and I felt boy and she felt boy and he wasn't, he was socially transitioning, but it wasn't like super obvious to most people. Right. And when we left, my wife goes, that person has a little boy in them, right? Said, <laughs> oh, you, you felt it too? Wow. And so I'm saying that because I think when I, when I think of trans, like people who are truly expressing this, yes. this, I'm going to say in your case, a male spirit through a female body. Sure. That's how I've experienced it. And um, I respect however you want to hold it. Sure. I love expanding it from disorder and from identity into it's how my spirit comes through. And that can be disordered, right? Like that can be confusing. It can create addiction. It can create self-hatred. But the the essence itself to me is like a pure, almost like magical experience. Am I overstepping or where would you go? No, 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 no. Everything you're saying I resonate with. But here's what I need to tell you and why I sort of speak this way. Yeah. Because I don't want people to get lost in that and think they are something they are not and then turn around and get hurt by it. This, Mm. And I'm talking specifically about medical transitioning. Whatever other things people do with their identity choice without doing the drastic change I did. I I totally, completely, 100% honor that. But today, what's happening is scary to me as an elder in this community and somebody who did take this chance to change my physical state of being with no knowledge of what this will eventually do to my body medically. So it's important for me to state this because I don't want a young person to be put in a position that I'm in when they don't need to do this. Maybe they just need to be a spiritual being and Mm. and connect with that, which is so great and beautiful and awesome. But people aren't... um, 
I think you are a for you are a, 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 a you are a thinker that is up here. Most mm-hmm. people aren't thinking at your level, and you are a highly thoughtful, um, connected to the universe thinker. I don't think very many people are like that these days, especially since we have social media. So I see people can be very easily led into this mm-hmm. when it might not be where they are. So that's why I distinguish the difference between transsexualism and transgender because. And I have no issue with my mental disorder. And the reason I say that is because to keep it into a mental disorder keeps it into a medical space, which mm-hmm. then keeps us into a space where it's, this is not, I did not choose this, right? If yeah. you take it out of the mental space, it becomes an elective. It becomes, you know, and, and, and now I'm, I'm getting out of the spiritual space and I'm going into the more sort of um, uh, uh, reality-based space of, of, not that that's not reality, but you no, know, I hear you. I'm trying to yeah. say, the physical. I, I, the physical and that that if we don't keep it as a disorder it will get lost no insurance will pay for anything people will have to pay for everything out of pocket which is what i had to do 30 years ago and it's not easy that causes a lot of dysphoria that causes a lot of anguish that causes suicide and so if you have your insurance company saying oh i'll pay for your top surgery your hormone oh my god it just makes your transition yeah. go so much smoother so i'm only saying the mental disorder first off because it it, I, I, it has helped me yeah, it's yeah. Like if you get diagnosed with diabetes, all of a sudden you understand what's why you haven't been feeling good for this whole time. And so well, for I, me, it was that. I, that I like that you say it that way because um, I had I don't know if you ever heard of Gabor Mate, but he's a trauma therapist, and his uh-huh. son Daniel Mate came on this podcast a bit ago. Okay, and we were talking about identity, mm-hmm. and and one thing he said was he was diagnosed with something, mm-hmm. and he said the diagnosis helped me so much. I found the right medication so I could yeah, function. Yeah. And it's not who I am. That's right. Like, it's not what I define myself as. And that's that's what you're bringing in, which is really nice to hear because I think, and this is why I wanted to have you on this podcast, because I was was saying to you in the beginning, I I hear you and and some people that agree with things you say on different networks, and the people are like rousing these buzzwords from you in like a five or 10 minute soundbite. So you don't get the full picture of it. That's and right. when you hear mental disorder, it gets overcoupled with like crazy and insane and not I true. Know. And, you know, all those. Th- so I, I'm glad yeah. we're, we're expanding, you know, how we experience this term disorder and why. It's important for me, for, for me. And so that's why I say, if you don't want to claim a mental disorder, please don't. Yes. Don't do that. It's I'm not telling you how to be. I would never tell anyone how to be. I'm yeah. telling you, for I've always only told my story. And I always reiterate, I am not a spokesperson for the trans community. I never have been. I never will be. I have always been an individual who's a transsexual, who wants to share my experience with the world so that the world can see me as a human. And I've done that, my friend. The world does like me. I don't have pushback in the world. And I don't have the same things that are happening with this youth today because mm-hmm. I'm willing to come into the middle and I'm willing to coexist with you and I'm willing to be honest about where I'm coming from and what I'm doing and I find that honesty is like is like so incredible that's freedom mm-hmm. there is no mm-hmm. other freedom in the world or with who you are until you are honest to the world about who you are so when we're teaching young people to say my biology isn't or that I'm trans because x y and z and then people are like, but wait a minute here. And then this, you know, or that trans women are women. I'm sorry, but I, I do push back on that because there is a difference between a trans woman and a woman. And for us not to acknowledge that or to say, we're going to push a bunch of female born people away and say that a biological male who transitions to live as a woman is the same as a biological female. It's just not true. And yeah, you know, I, I, 
Yeah, I think I think what's great about that is like when I was saying earlier about that to me when I see a trans person or me being intersex person, yeah, I see it as the spiritual experience, and then how we deal with it in the physical is what you're talking about, like That's the reality right. of what That's this looks right. like. That's and right. so I agree. I think like the initiations, and this is so true from being a somatic therapist, mm-hmm. the initiations a body goes through through puberty. It, it changes how you experience the world around you. Right. And there's an ancestry to it even. Like biology, bodies feel different sex hormones from other bodies and get turned on or don't get turned on or see someone as an aggressor, or as a submissor, all these different things that the body communicates. So I, I agree. I think when someone says, you know, I'm a trans woman, mm-hmm. you get this real understanding of their lived experience of, right. wow, you've been initiated into a male body Yes. You somehow survived, you know, 10 years of puberty yes. until you could get estrogen. It just, it it gives you a framework of what that person's been through. Right. And it doesn't make them less valuable or no. important or amazing to me. It, like, for like, me, it's erasure of trans, which is very I scary. Agree. And when you say I'm the same as you, I am not the same as you, nor, nor do I want to be the same as you. And so I, that's why I'm saying, that's why people listen to me on some level, because I'm willing to have the the actual real conversation it doesn't hurt my feelings that I'm a biological female in any way, shape or form. I've been given a gift. I look at my transition as a mm. gift. I look mm. at the fact that I get to be this man today, though I lived half my life is in the female space. That's a gift. And I think that what's happening in the transgender space is that they're not seeing the gift. Mm. They're so angry and so disconnected and so expecting the world to make them happy and so expecting everyone to bow down to them. Who, who does that? And what? why would we teach young people that? Why would we teach young people to expect something they'll never, ever get, ever? Well, this is where, so this is where the trauma response comes in for me. So there's this trauma response called fawning. Mm -hmm. And it's when you reflexively meet someone's need to appease them and essentially relax their body. And so when we're talking about like, you know, why are we telling people what they want to hear? Right. We do this all the time as when we go into this fawning mechanism. Okay. And one reason I wanted to have you on is because I wanted to get a nuanced approach, especially from someone who's a trans elder of how do we uh, and i'm going to when i say we i'm going to say parents trans people therapists teachers allies friends supporters whatever whoever's listening to this or this reaches how do we hold space for kids who believe they are trans mm-hmm. without denying it mm-hmm. and without reflexively putting them into medical transitions um because what you and i will both agree on is I, I don't agree with transitioning children. I agree trans children exist. Totally. But I want to be very clear on that. Sure. Um, I've met them, but I don't believe sure. in transitioning them. And there's two reasons, and I want to hear where you go. Um, the first reason is puberty is can be inherently dysmorphic. Sure. And it's inherently traumatizing and strange and awkward and disgusting, and especially in a society that isn't sexually informed. Right. You know, all that you're alone with all these weird things happening to your body. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen some of my clients even over the years, they've conflated that with being transgender. And then once they make it through their puberty to their early 20s, they settle into their body and some realize, oh, I love this body now. Others realize, nope, I'm transgender. That's right. But it's that initiatory period mm-hmm. of, of creating the capacity for your body to do what you don't want it to do. Mm-hmm. And then once it settles, you have this 
firm awareness of, of what you are and how you want to express. That's right. So I want to start with that. How do you hold, how do you counsel people to hold someone going through that when they're being told their kid will kill themselves? That's terrifying. Oh God! Oh my God! For that whole thing is manipulative. First off, so I'm not a manipulative kind of person, as you know, probably know by now. Yeah. I like to speak honestly about everything. So that being said, that's manipulative and gross and not right. And it's it's the not, not the truth. Your child might not probably kill themselves. They might maybe think about it. Suicidal yes. ideation is different than actual suicide. So I was that we, child for years, by the way. So was I. So was I. I even tried to commit suicide. I actually almost got <laughs> I almost did it. But that being said, so so there's that, okay? So secondly, this trans narrative, okay? Remember what I said when I was a youngster? I never said I was trans. I wasn't even in my vocabulary. We have given vocabulary that might not be the right vocabulary to these young people. They immediately are not connecting to trans because they feel different. But we don't know what that difference actually is. But of course, it's like you see something and you could never really name it on some level, but you see it and you grab it because it's the first thing. And instead of waiting, so maybe there's going to be other things up there that you can grab. So we're giving children this one thing to grab. When they might need a million different things to grab. They might be going, so I don't, I actually don't call them trans kids. I call them kids with dysphoria because Mm -hmm. the dysphoria Mm -hmm. could not necessarily be trans. So that's why I believe that puberty is so important because it takes you into a different space and a spatial of of the way you think. You just said it, your brain is growing. Things are coming differently. So what this other idea that the child will suffer Suffering is very relative. Me and you both know that. What oh, yeah. does suffering mean, right? And also, why is suffering be- all of a sudden this bad thing? I suffered to get through this point where I, gosh, I, I actually, I actually sort of on some way embraced the, the suffering I had back in the mm-hmm. day. When you're in suffering, you hate it. Mm-hmm. When you're out of suffering, if you're able to use that suffering to become a better human, it is incredible gift. You know, to okay, pause there because you're yes. saying a lot of important things. Okay, great. The, the first thing that I love is you're saying instead of saying you're trans because you're dysphoric, you're saying yes. you're a person with dysphoria. There you go. So I just want to feel that for a minute and let Thank everyone you. else feel that. Thank you. It's a really important uncoupling. Again, those of you listening that want to learn more about this and, and have a more holistic approach, and I've used this approach with my clients too. Yes. Is okay. You're dysphoric. Let's get curious about your dysphoria. Let's not label it. Let's get. Let's. Let, let, you teach me about your dysphoria instead of me telling you what it is. That's so that's right. one thing. I love that. Now this this. What did you just say? Because I lost it. I was. So I know. I'm sorry. I'm like <laughs> I that so, guy. It's like, <laughs> I was so focused guy. on the dysphoric piece. So, so, so I think. Oh, oh okay. Now I remember. <laughs> so it's the the suffering piece. That's really profound for me. Um, so I, you know, being intersex and I was, um, molested in a bathroom when I was little, I was assaulted by the boys in my school. I'm sure similar things you went through as an adult. And so I remember the absolute hatred connected to my body and having breasts and having hips and being feminine. I thought I was female for years. My brain was bathed in estrogen. I had a female brain for all biological properties, uh, purposes. I remember, um, I think I think what I'm saying here is I was diagnosed from all that part of my PTSD and my trauma ex- expressed itself through Tourette's and ADHD. So I was diagnosed at age nine with Tourette's syndrome. That also happens to be when my breast started growing and when these attacks started happening. Wow. And so 
my mother was told by the psychiatrist I had to be prescribed this medication called Haldol, which is like a sedative. My mother was a nurse and she knew the ramifications of this on a growing brain, so she refused to give it to me. So I lived for years being bullied, picked on, hating myself because I couldn't control my nervous tics and my Tourette's. And this is a perfect example of what you're saying. that Those years of suffering and, and being hated, yeah. they transformed me so deeply because I can never hate another human being because I know how horrible that feels. If my mother would have tried to keep me from suffering by giving me that medication, I would not be the person I am today. That's right. And I think this is the part, and, and to me, transitioning kids early is just one branch of this. There are millions of ways we can indulge in a child's pain to try to, with good intention, to try to That's soothe right. it. But they don't build capacity for pain then. They don't build capacity for discomfort. And that's what I think is is the, the, the conversation that's missing here is there's a rush to fix the dysphoria instead of like, let me teach you how to build capacity for it. Yes. Because even if you transition, you're still going to be dysphoric. That's right. And, and I want you to talk about that part because we think it's gone when you transition, but no. my top surgery did not take away my dysphoria. That's so right. like, tell, tell us about that piece. Well, first off, thank you for hearing me because a lot of people don't when I say that. They get very mad at me because I'm like, but I care about these kids. You know, there's no such thing as fixing something so fast and putting you're putting a Band-Aid on it. You're not actually trying to figure out what's going on here. And that's what our country is about. Our country is very medicalized, very pharmaceutical pushing, very all of it. And that's for me, standing back, who's somebody who is medicalized and has to rely on the testosterone for the rest of my life. I it's horrible. It's not yeah. something I like. And and so why would you want to do that to a child if you don't have to, right? Yes. That should yes. be the last resort. It should yes. all, transitioning medically should always be the last resort. That's how I feel because That's if so you can important. actually get a kid to grow out of it, you have championed such a great thing there. That kid will never be reliant on fit, on pharmaceutical, on medical, on going to a therapist for the rest of their life. They will actually become a great human being from from that. So I just but want I, to- I want to I want them to hear what you said because I know some people will conflate this. When you said yes. grow out of it, you're yes. talking about growing out of dysphoria that's not attached to being trans. That's right. You don't grow out of being trans. You grow out of the dysphoria if you're not trans. This is why I don't call them trans kids. It's why I don't call them that. Because the minute you call them trans kids, you label them as trans. How do you know that? That's right. I I, I don't. That's like locking me into some identity. You know, my sexuality has has gone all over. It's fluctuated everywhere. It's why I just don't pick one. I just don't. (laughs) I don't know what I am today. I could be into you tomorrow. You know, I like people. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not a gender focused person. So Me I don't either. like those labels, right? On some level. And I think we're doing a disservice to a young person who's going through stuff. Come on, people. How many, do you have kids? I do. I'm a dad. I'm a 10 yeah. year old. So, you know, I do know, and I do firsthand see, and I, and we were all children. Come on. We know kids changed their minds. So I just wanted to say that because I think it's really important that people start to get a sort of more kind of nuanced idea of what these trans kids mean. What does this actually mean? And why do we yeah. have so many of them now? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a very important question I'm asking. Why do we have so many when we didn't have so many before? That that says something to me, and I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. So I, I'm sorry, I kind of lost what... No, I think what you're saying, I want to pause there because yeah. I think it's an important piece here. 
Um, when you, when any of us, anyone listening, if we think about being young and going into puberty, right? Yeah. Yes. And puberty is, like I said, it, it usually is inherently dysmorphic. That's and right. for a lot of people dysphoric because the body is literally shifting its shape. It's changing rapidly and no one prepares you for it. You know, no one talks about how to deal with erections and no. nocturnal emissions and bleeding and fertility. Like no one talks yep. about it. So suddenly it's happening yep. and you have maybe one class in sixth grade and you're done. And so <laughs> you're alone with this like major body and mind transformation and yeah. you're too immature to handle it. And we don't have elders to, to lead us. So I think if we put all that together, especially like in a, a post-colonial world, because if we think about more indigenous societies and, and our ancestors, they're so body-based. Yeah. So they had so many rituals in place when the body was shaping and shifting and going into these yeah. uh, puberty initiations as I see them. Yes. So you're going into the puberty initiation. Yeah. It feels strange. You feel shame, yeah. guilt, whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's someone telling you, well, that probably means you're trans. And I think th this is part of my question earlier when I said, well, how do we hold people who are dysphoric? Again, I'm hearing the term, the word curiosity keeps coming up. Sure, sure. Like instead of saying you're trans, asking more about, well, what, a, what part of you is dysphoric? That's what right. part don't you like? How does it feel in your body? And eventually the, the, the person's body teaches us what it is and how it wants to express. And then we support it, That's but right. we don't label it until we know from them. Right. That's right. Because these kids, so we're actually putting words in kids' mouths. I can see it. I see how they're emulating uh, what adults say or what they're being told. On well, they always have. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's dangerous because we're sort of not on some level giving this idea that you might not be trans and that's okay. You might be something else. We're just immediately giving them these ideas that because they don't feel comfortable in their body, forever girls, I'm going to say girls, have not been comfortable with their bodies during puberty. That is forever because girl puberty is different than boy puberty, right? Yes, Girls are actually going through, a, I think, a way more, and not to discount male puberty, but it's a really much more difficult. You're growing breasts. Absolutely. You're having Absolutely. a period. Oh, my God. You'll never even understand how insane it is to all of a sudden bleed. Out of nowhere, you're like, what? And then yeah. you got to do it every month. And yes. you're like, so So if you notice the upswing in the the trans youth is girls. Well, this is important to me. <clears throat> yeah, it, I, I have, and, and this I can go. I can go right to a client in my mind in the years ago that I worked with, who um, thought she was trans mm -hmm. and was scheduling herself for uh, top surgery. Mm -hmm. And we did three years of therapy yeah. just to give people an understanding how long it takes to really know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. I didn't once tell her she wasn't trans. I didn't once tell her she was. I just held space for her to be whatever she wanted to be. Right. And what we discovered, and this is why I think the somatic work of being in the body is a missing topic with trans youth and people that are trying to learn Excellent. how to handle dysphoria. Excellent. Because the body tells you sensationally what it remembers. Yeah. And so she started noticing, oh, these breasts are connected to my uncles touching me there oh. and boys whistling at me down the street and getting That's assaulted. Right. So she overcoupled having breasts with violence. Yeah. And so it yeah. is so understanding and, and almost logical to think if I can remove the part of me that I think is going to equal more violence and people are telling me I'm trans and I should, yeah. I'm going to remove that part of me. And that's the difference to me between someone who's doing body modification as a trauma response 
and someone that's actually transgender and that's is right. the opposite sex that's right. that they're born. And that's an important difference because huge. I'm not even looking down on it. Like if you're an adult, go for it. Get, like one of my dear friends got rid of her breast at 66. She's yeah. happier than ever. She's that's not, right. She loves not having, I'm like, go for it. Like, I don't, I love all the things we can do on this planet. Me too. When it comes to kids, yeah. if that girl four years ago would have gone to a trans affirming therapist that told her in the first session she was trans, she would now not have her breasts. That's right. So that's all I'm talking about. I'm not, that's I, right. I, I hope people listening don't conflate this as any kind of like transphobic rhetoric. Like, my God, you're talking I to love, a transsexual. <laughs> well, you're I at, love trans people. I mean, I've been in love with trans people. If people I do that, transness. my friend, if people do that, they're not listening. And, and that, listening. That, that's what you must understand. I get called transphobic. That's how ridiculous the whole thing has become. I am, I'm, I'm, you know, to call me transphobic is completely transphobic in itself. So, so you can't call you transphobic. You're literally having the conversation, the hard conversation that some people don't want here with an actual transsexual person who me and you agree on what you're saying is not transphobic it, it's actually pro-trans hmm. that's what people i'm so do. glad you just said that because i was yeah. in my mind i was thinking what i'm really trying to do here is actually preserve and honor the trans experience that's right and you're showing there is a dip that's why we got to go back to this word dysphoria and yeah. we have to understand the hugeness of dysphoria it's not just stuck on one thing of gender which means you're trans that's just way too simple and that's just not true i'm complicated <laughs> you're complicated, so complicated. <laughs> we are complicated so you don't think kids are complicated oh my yeah. gosh man come on they're like growing right now every day my son is doing something different or acting a different way or saying different things or you know and i'm like where did you learn that from you know what i mean so come on people let's give kids a little slack here yes. let's give kids an opportunity to be kids let's give kids a, a realization that hey kiddo you don't have to just show yourself into that space you can wear a dress today i don't care wear a dress to school that's yes. awesome come yes. back and wear pants tomorrow like i think we've really gone we've we've regressed in this idea of gender stereotypes by making trans kids that's the part that i have an issue with it's like these kids could possibly even be gay but we're conflating gayness with transness now on some level we are and also mm -hmm. you know i don't want to say this it sounds very conspiracy and i'm not that person but you know you could look at it and people are which is also not good for any of us when people are conflating it with with the erasure of, of gay kids. And I'm like, come on, man. It's not that. I don't believe it is, but I do believe I some know. of these kids could be gay kids. Yes. It's unintentionally. That's right. Know, again. It's not and, intentional. Well, that's yeah. why I, I use, I talk a lot. My audience that listens to me knows this term overcoupling. It's a somatic oh, term. Okay. Okay. It's when you unconsciously associate something with something else. It's oh. like, a, it's a somatic uh, sensation attached to something yeah. has nothing to do with it. Right. And I think a lot like what you're what you're sharing here and what I've witnessed in some places mm -hmm. is how trans gets overcoupled with all these other things. That's right. So really what I hear with us is we're, we're really champions of diversity. We're like, we're, like we want to expand. I'll speak for myself. I want to expand gender. I don't want to say because my daughter wears a baseball cap, she might be a boy. To me, that's so stereotypical. Wow. I want to I be like, be fluid, baby. Like, do it. Wear whatever you want. I mean, that's I right. paint my nails. I've worn dresses. I've gone out that's and drag. Right. Like, I, I don't have to be one or the other. That's right. And, and so I think it's it's helping our kids understand. And And there's, you know, when we talk in this way, Sometimes it can sound like we're saying the whole world is doing this. 
And it's still quite a minority. But we're we're saying this because we've lived in these circles, we come from these places, we have this experience in our body. There are a lot of parents that have written to me and have asked me for help. Like, what do I do with holding this dysphoria? Where do I go with this? That's right. Now, the second part I wanted to bring in, I'm going to play the clip in a moment. So Dr. Marcy Bowers is like a leading expert in any kind of trans-affirming surgery. She's a trans woman herself. I believe she's in California. Um, And she recently, they recently released a video of her talking about, uh, she now has the data that when you give puberty blockers to kids who are anywhere between like eight and 11, that early stage, it will prevent them from ever having an orgasm again. And I'm going to play and you'll hear it. And it goes into, and she also says, so, and she and this is the part I want to highlight for you to answer, because you've done it. You've done this with your body. She goes, I know the genitals are quite dysphoric, you know, for people, we have to somehow teach these kids that it's the same kind of hardware, it's just how it looks and how you essentially reorganize it. That's what trans surgery is. And so so she's she's saying now, which is so nice to hear, if a child comes in, or the parent comes in and says, I want to give them puberty blockers, we have to teach them how to be with their body through puberty. Not even to make sure they're trans, but let's say we we 100% agree a nine they're trans, there's no question. The actual efficacy of the surgery depends on their full puberty expression. Yes. They have yes. to make the right tissue. The nerves have to develop in the clitoris and the head of the penis. That's so right. much has to happen. So when they transition and have bottom surgery, it's That's successful. Right. So yeah. it's on the argument of the pro-trans side still. Yes. So I just I just want to say that. It's fantastic. Play, no, it's right? fantastic. I've been saying this forever. Why do you think I make those products? You you know, maybe you don't have to have bottom surgery, but if you stop puberty you're going to make it difficult for these kids to actually have normal genital surgery because you're yes. stopping the growth. Not only that, sex is important. So yes. I'm sorry, please, please move no, forward. No, no, you're right. Great. So let's listen to the clip and then yeah. I want you to tell us your journey okay. into being okay with your genitals. Great. Yes. The second is um, was an observation that I had that every single child who was, or adolescent who was truly blocked at Tanner stage two is has never experienced orgasm. I mean, it's it's really about zero. These are the, of course, these are just assigned male at birth, so trans, feminine, and it's because they never in their lives are exposed to testosterone. Wow. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. So blockers prevent the rise of testosterone, and they don't really go on testosterone at or around surgery or into adulthood. And so... We don't know. They're going to have this sensation. There's no question about that. Um, but are they going to be able to re- achieve sexual satisfaction? It's important in relationships. And I know that from my work with female genital mutilation survivors, that, that the lack of being able to be intimate with a partner is very important. Mm-hmm. And so this is what really raised the red flag for me is to say, look, we're going to really, we need to have our eyes open about it. I think it's been beneficial talking about it. Um, I know Joe and many others have, have reported to me, you know, they've, they've, they have looked, they've changed their approach a little bit in their informed consent models and that they're, we're talking about masturbation now. We're talking about, okay, mm. that's a, an area of the body that's got very dysphoric for you, but you know what? It's all a penis is, it's just a large clitoris. I mean, let's, we're all, it's all the same material. It really is. So, uh, so you know, use it for, for, for the pleasurable purposes, partially that it was intended, 
And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But these are these are to be answered questions. So can we avoid puberty and get good adult results? And secondly, how do we it, how, how do we uh, assure someone that they're going to be able to be sexually responsive? Do we remove the blockers during the course of their adolescence and let a little bit of puberty come back? Do we delay it a little bit, maybe into Tanner's? three or four, maybe before they have their first orgasms, maybe. So I, I, this brought me so much hope when I was watching it. Cause I'm like, finally a trans woman who is one of the leading surgical experts of trans surgery and people is saying, cause people listening, Buck and I are not talking about trans adults. That's the last thing we're talking about right now. We don't care. We don't care. <laughs> like, we love you. We trust you. Do your thing. Do your thing. It's like, we're talking yeah. about children because yeah. you, you can't deny the biology of development. And so she is saying it now. She's saying, whoa, we're finding they can't reach orgasm, which makes so much sense, right? That part hasn't developed. Duh. So, <laughs> so this is where you truly this is where and i never wow. even got to say in the beginning when i saw mr angel so the thing about buck is you were also a porn star yeah yeah I, I created the genre you of, created trans, of trans pornography porn. yeah so what made you so amazing to me was that i'm like okay here is a trans person that is under high lit lights with 30 people in a studio legs open yep. pussy exposed yep. having great sex yep now now tell us how that is possible you know, I wish I knew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> tell us the secret. Figure we all want to know. <laughs> How well, much well, does it pay for you to tell me? Well, it's so important, first of all, that you showed me that. Because I'm going to tell you what, Marcy Bowers was totally never saying that before. We were all saying it. We all knew it. Because we all look at the studies from Finland and Sweden and Norway that have already exposed this. But America is ramping up trans surgeries while all the rest of the world is going down in trans yeah. um children's surgeries. children surgeries yep. so you have to look at you can actually read it in all of the literature from there that says you are stunting the growth of of genital as well as sexual function and sterilize you sterilize yes. a child as well exactly those are exactly. very important aspects to transitioning a child how dare we as adults take those away that's not consent we're not consent. Yeah. You're not getting consent from a child to take away their orgasms or their See, sexual. I'm, I'm glad you, you have this. I'm had to pause you. That's an important piece that I always forget is the sterilization because That's if right. you like a trans man can still give birth to a child. That's right. You know, if That's he right. transitions later in life and still has reproductive organs. That's and, right. And, and can and produce and you can tell us your story too about that yeah. about testosterone, yeah. but. I think it's important to understand, like, we're not just saying do this so someone can have like a good vagina or, oh or, or like a good penis. We're saying like, if you want to conceive a baby and you're a trans man and you're 14, you might right. want a kid when you're 30. Trans That's men right. should be able to give birth, you know, if they still want to be parents. Anyone so, should be able to give birth who wants to as an adult and, and, and anyone, a trans yes. woman should be able to impregnate someone if she wants to do that, right? right. But if we're taking those rights away from these people, right? And that that's the hypocrisy of all of this trans narrative. I'm telling you, there's a lot of hypocrisy in, involved in it where they say stuff like, you know, well, you have autonomy over your own body, but really a 10-year-old can now consent to never having a baby. I guarantee, so I know why they're doing this. They're backing up. That the, the American 
uh, trans rights, kids rights people are backing up, including Marcy Bowers, because they're now getting challenged with the factual realization that you are doing this to a child and which and now they have to actually speak for it where they're going, uh, you're right. What if this child changes their mind when they're 20? Let's just say they're 20. They went through the whole transition and now they're a, a, a boy or a man. And then they realize, oh, my God, I can't even have an orgasm. Oh, my God, I'm never going to experience that, which I have friends who are in that space who are very mad about it. Very mad. They're suing. They're suing doctors, hospitals, all of it, because they did not give consent to that because they so, were. 10. But this is but this is why your your experience and what you do is important. That's and right. What, what Marcy alluded to at the end when she's like, this place, the genitals are dysphoric, but That's they're right. built for pleasure. How can we teach them about masturbation? Which is without? incredible. Amazing. That she said that. She so, never said that before. So ever. we should let's praise her. You know, that's right. That's why even I'm if saying. she's been, even That's if she's right. been whatever doing, it, she's coming around, which is awesome. She's willing to actually say that, which says a lot about her. Because I was very mad at her for a long time, but now yeah, that, that I was stuff really makes proud when I saw that. Yeah, that, that means that she really does care. Exactly. So I was exactly. thinking she didn't really care. And she was just being one of those crazy medical people who only sees dollar signs, right? Because there are those. We can't yes. deny that. Yes. So, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so that being said, here I am as a 30, here I am as an adult having sex. I did have sex as a female bodied per- person, right? But it wasn't uncomfortable. It was never comfortable for me mm. when I, when I did it intimacy and I, you know, I was, I considered myself a gay woman and very masculine. And, you know, I did the, we did the man woman thing when it came to sex. It was very, you know, gender stereotyped on some level that way or my intimacy. I was very uncomfortable with my body. I would have to get drunk, stoned, whatever, mm. just to have sex. So I, in mm. loves, I've always liked sex, always. I just, like I've always been a big masturbator, all of that, but secretly and, and uncomfortable that I liked it, mm-hmm. you know, that I would have an orgasm and like it. Then I would feel guilty for liking mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. it, it, it's that stigma that I'm not supposed to like my weird body. Yep. Yep. Right. I have a weird body. I'm sure you completely. A hundred and twenty five percent. It's so hard. So anyway, moving forward, I start to take testosterone with heightened my libido. And then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is weird. I'm not, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with this. And so I, I just remember, honestly, there's like this one particular moment that was a major turning point. And that was when I was masturbating and I was alone at home and nobody was around and I was very shy to masturbate. And I was already about- Wait, to, you're, you're, you transitioned or you I transitioned already. So okay. I was about two years into my transition and I, you know, Got my it. genitals are growing. Our clitorises grow very big and, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in your body and the testosterone is raging and I'm like, rah, and pumping iron. And I'm just like, <laughs> this dude, like, ah, I want to do is masturbate. You're horny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> you're no, essentially like a 14 year old boy no, i totally am and i want to you know i want to stroke it but there is no stroking so i'm like right. so i just remember like just masturbating and i had a vibrator and i was using it and then it slipped inside of me and i never had an internal orgasm before i only ever wow. sort of rubbed my clit against people or just rubbed rubbed or did those kind of things right but i was very uncomfortable with being penetrated because it felt feminine to me to be penetrated. yes yes right? so i just went I never had anything like that happen to me in my life. It was the most explosive, like insane feeling mm. ever. I had a clitoral and an um an internal orgasm from being penetrated and the and uh, honestly, it that's I was like, what? That was the what? moment. That was the moment. I was like, what? What was that? And I and I just sat there after the orgasm laying there in battle. There I'm like, 
why would I ever get rid of my vagina? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's like, you are now my friend. You are now my best friend. <laughs> Wait, so now, so what I'm hearing here is the pleasure was the doorway to love your vagina? That's right. 100%. Mm. That's it. Mm. That's why. Okay, so I created a, pro- later, later on, we can get to that, but I created a product specifically because I <laughs> knew, that's why I got into porn on some level. I'm like, why should I be ashamed of my body? I'm sick. Mm. I've always kind of been that guy, even prior to like I always push boundaries. But that being said, I was like, why am I ashamed of my body? Why can't people be okay? There's, there's so in pornography, and I hope nobody gets offended by this, but I'm like, say whatever you want to say. Female and tranny, and you know that was the big thing was trans women porn. I mean, chicks with mm. dicks, right? Mm-hmm, All of that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just immediately like was like the dude with a pussy because there's chicks with dick a dude with a pussy and i was like it literally was like it was like all of this stuff going on inside of me i'm like i'm doing porn (laughs) and that's sort of like how that skyrocketed but but that being said um it freaked people out especially the trans well but what about you like when you started doing the porn was it terrifying at first was it instantly gratifying okay so it took you time to feel comfortable being seen but being seen by my tons of people. And then also getting pushback, pushback. People were like, you're gross. This is disgusting. I'm going to kill you. You're a weirdo. And even the trans men at the time were like, knock it off. They're going to, everyone's going to think we're men with pussies. And I'm like, Mm. where does it ever even say that? It says Buck Angel. It never said trans men with ever. Oh, so it never even, you never even, you were just you and people would see that. Me, me, me. So this is what's interesting as you're saying this, because I, I will, I always say to people, one thing that makes me unique as a person is as a man, I've had the experience of misogyny because right. I've had oh, the breasts, wow. like I've seen wow. how people, and that not many men can say that, no. but, but you can, you can understand this because yeah. a, a trans woman can be applauded for her dick. That's right. But a trans man there's something wrong with them. It speaks to this inherent misogyny. Misogyny. It's so interesting. So you really, you really helped bring that through. On so many levels that I never knew I was going to do. Even today, women write me, thank you, Buck, because I didn't know X, Y, and Z about my own vagina. And Mm. I always would say, wow, here's a man talking about his vagina who gets a lot of platforms and women don't even get to talk. It's actually kind of That's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's it's still that Trojan horse of masculinity. That's right. Let the dude talk about the Trojan horse. Let the dude talk about the vagina. The women can't really. That's why I'm I'm very championing of of women's rights. I, I, I am. I never will not be you know misogyny yeah, lives today and in fact on some level more than i think i've seen in my lifetime it's well, coming I mean, back i just love the case study of you know again like a trans woman with a, a dick and everyone like a, a fetish or something that's right naturally in love with that's and right. then like the trans man with the pussy is disgusting it's it, right that's there right. it is it's like clear i proved that's, it that's I incredible it. totally yeah. and people were like so freaked out and then people started seeing what i was trying to do and yeah you know yeah. that's when the awards started coming and people started mm. sort of platforming my pornography even though it's porn it's, yes i get it's it still but, porn. W- but when did yeah. it go from doing that work through porn and then stopping porn and doing that work without porn tell us how it right 
How did that transition? Well, somehow, which is a very rare thing to, 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 to sort of leap from porn to mainstream. That's very rare. You will not see a lot of pornographers no, or no. porn people kind of go. I, I'm one of the very lucky ones. And I think because I created something that never existed before. And yeah. I think people were also really interested about this trans male thing that all they ever saw was trans women. Yeah. So the porn gave me a platform to start. Now I started speaking at universities, all the, you know, I started, they used to carry my movies and all the libraries because they looked at it uh, through academia, looked at it as as a, as a more um, sort of academic space, whether not necessarily porn. I know, and, and academia does celebrate those types of different kind of th- places, and so they celebrated mm. me on some level back mm-hmm. in the day. I think it's changed a little now. But that being said, they were really giving me this space to talk. Then other people started seeing me talk and I started going to other places mm. where my speaking just kind of overcame my pornography. You know, and I'll be honest with you, mm. I didn't want to be a, an old, old elder pornographer. I didn't want to be that old porn star. I just didn't. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Not that, not to shame anybody, but for me, I didn't well, want to Well, it served be... its purpose for you. And that's right. With it. it yeah. was sort of like a stepping stone. And I, yeah. you know, that's my I growth. That. Yeah, but yeah. I but I I'm very attached to sex still, and you know that. Then I started creating products, and then that just kind of took me. I created the very first trans male. I was just going to ask you. These, so these are for trans men, this specifically. Yes. Okay, that's yes. so interesting. Can you yes. tell us briefly, like the mechanics of that, like what makes it different? Yeah. Just for yeah. trans men listening that are like, I still haven't connected to that part of me. That's like, right. What, and that's what, why what I created, know? thank you for asking, because that's why I created this exact product that never existed in the world. And it became one of the fastest selling sex toys on the market because I opened a whole new space. And that's when trans toys started really kind of, but trans toys didn't exist before I created this one called the Buck Off. So what I realized, remember I said, <laughs> when I, off, <laughs> remember when I said that I wanted to masturbate like a man? Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to stick my fingers inside of me or rub my clit like that it's just felt feminine to me so i really i figured i i figured out how to do it by creating it through a different toy that i bought at a toy store and i cut it and i put it and i would put my little penis in it and i would just do mm-hmm. this that i always had this idea to create this sex toy but not one company would do it not one every company i would even though i was still buck wow. angel the porn and they knew me i said there is an untapped market but nobody wants to be the first, you know, that nobody wants to dip their toe in that until other people dip their toe in it. So that's one of the sort of downfalls of being a pioneer is, you know, you don't necessarily get the gains that other people get coming behind you. But that being said, I finally found a company and they were willing to make my toy because they said, really, Buck, this doesn't exist. I'm like, no, they're like, no brainer. So the buck off was created and it went on to like win every award. So what it wow. does is yeah, it, it, fits do? o- it fits over top. You have it? right here oh yeah sure okay cool okay so yeah it's so i mean it's so basic that people like now everyone copies it everyone's tried to (laughs) everyone rips it off that's what i told you nobody even the companies that wouldn't make it they're now ripping it off which is so gross anyway it looks like this it's really it comes in this really awesome beautifully soft i'm gonna send you one anyway soft material and then what i and so see how big the hole is yeah because our clitorises grow quite large like a baby little penis so and it has little ribs inside of it and it has a little penis head and so what it does is just sucks and it literally has a suction to it. So now it sits, look, it's sucked on. So yeah. now it's suck and it, and now what, what, look what I'm doing. I'm stroking. Oh, it's amazing. And That's this brilliant. Chick, 
So now I'm like, dude, of course you're dysphoric. If you use this toy, you're laying in bed with your eyes closed or watching porn and it feels like you're jacking your penis off. It doesn't feel like you're touching your vagina. That's amazing. That's amazing yeah, because, you. you know, my friends who are trans men that, that have said to me, especially when they knew I was speaking to you, they were like, please ask him how he's able to masturbate, enjoy his body. Like some of them just haven't even had orgasms yet because they are so afraid to touch that part. And there's two things you said that are important. I mean, I love this, the innovation of making this for a trans male body, you know, Thank for you. the enlarged clitoris. Yep. Um, brilliant. And I also, when I heard you say going inside felt too feminine, I, I love that. I love that as well, because even that can transform because you know, cis men have anal sex all the time. They love it. Duh, you know, it, it right? It, it can still be a masculine expression right. to, to put something inside of you. So did you come to that as well when you started allowing penetration? Well, like, you know, I, again, I'm that guy who's like, I'm so tired of being told how I can and cannot yeah, feel. Yeah. So for me, and that's maturity. That that also comes yeah, from maturity. It's harder time. for a 20-year-old to say that than it is for a 30-something-year-old to say that. And, you know, um, so I, I it really, for me, it was, for me, it was like, I'm not going to be shamed because I, so it was more like <laughs> coming to it, like, in there. watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Which worked out for me because I was like, well, it feels good. You know, it's like the tooth thing, right? They always use that analogy. It feels good to wiggle your tooth, even though it's yeah. like weird that you're doing it, but it still feels good and you can't stop. So I'm like, I know it's weird and I don't care. And then that helped me have better intimacy with my partners because one of the things I have mm. to say to the trans guys who are hopefully listening to this is this. You might think that your partner's going to judge you but you'll be surprised how much your partner wants to have that sex with you. All of my partners were so excited to penetrate me, to let me do that. It, it, it feels like a gift to them. They're, they're really, they want to, they, and they do will not judge you for it if they're an actual real partner who is exploring sex with you. And to, yeah. to have that real intimacy space is game changing. It also helps you realize your body is awesome and you mm. can have awesome, beautiful sex. I mean, I just hate, that's really mm. why I, Stay mm. in the space of sex because it changed my life. Um, yeah, you know, no, I'm, it, I'm with you on that. I think it's beautiful. These guys need to do that, and 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 I really believe that they're going to be less um, in, in in many aspects of their life. To 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 connect to your body sexually also gives you this confidence. I have confidence because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can say to me that will make me feel anything less that's than right i know that's right myself. that's right i yeah. mean so you i mean this is a beautiful we're going to start closing but that's this is such yeah. a great answer to all these questions you right know on. because um i think people listening that whether you are trans and you're listening and you ha- only have socially you know transitioned and you haven't medically yet yeah. um you get to you get to enjoy the body you're in with the right support and it doesn't make you less of how you identify or how your spirit comes through. It's not your fault. You were born in this body. That's right. And, and, and that's what really started healing me is when I grew up with my intersex body, I thought I was a freak of nature. Yeah. And then I remember going outside and seeing these like big bulbous growths on trees. And I remember thinking, oh, I am nature. And it was that, that was like my moment, like when the thing slipped inside of you and yeah. the pleasure. That was yeah. my moment of, I do belong here with this body. Like there's nothing wrong with this body. And I think that's the spiritual path of the, the trans person and right. of the intersex person and anyone that that is dysmorphic uh, for right. any reason. It's to say, how can my spirit that doesn't agree with this 
become friends with this. Like we're really creating a friendship between conscious mind. Yes. Only. And also you could only change what you can change. And you can only change what you can goddess, change. Goddess, grant me the serenity to change the things I can and the things I cannot. That that actual God, I changed it to goddess. But goddess, you know, that yeah. serenity prayer really resonated with me in, in my sobriety. I can change the things I can and I can't change the things I can't. It's okay. Yeah. Accept it. And so that's why I accepted my vagina. I can't change it. The sur- surgery is not for me. I don't want that surgery. I want to have sex and I want to be comfortable. So that's the thing that I also, this idea that we are born in the wrong body. Body. That is yeah. an actual dangerous thing to say to trans people. It's yeah, not yeah. true. It's I agree with true. that. I agree. I, I agree with that so much because it feels like it's the wrong body. And the reality is it's your body. So if we but, can learn to create a relationship to your body, that's you right. can love your body. Not only trans people hate their bodies. Anyone. No, this is well, that's why it's dysmorphia in general. Like that's right. Dysphoria, but anyone i mean what's anorexia it's dysmorphia oh my god you know, so like, what bodybuilding you don't think body bodybuilding is dysmorphia? Is dysmorphia. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I mean, it's a human experience that we can all right. actually come together and support that's right. if we can remove these identities we've been giving things oh my god um, so powerful thank you i have a closing question for you yeah. from my friend who said i have to ask you okay uh tra- full transparency do you experience dysmorphia or dysphoria to this day and if so how do you work with that Wow, it's a really great question because I'm going to say straight out my brain, no. But I think possibly I might, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you that if I have to sit here and think about it, then I don't. So That's a good me, point. Yeah, if, if, if dysphoria is, was still here, I would say right off the bat, yeah, my breasts or my genitals or the way that I look. But I think I've accomplished. I feel accomplished, if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm where I need to be in order to do the work I'm doing, which is that I look, I love how I look. I feel yeah. so comfortable in my body. I don't feel disconnected from myself. I have finally learned to sort of embrace the female side of me and to embrace mm. the fact that I was born biological female and it's a gift. And I've learned mm. to stick Laura with Buck and become mm. one where it's, I've never had that before. So that to Laura was dysphoric for me where Buck wasn't, but Buck and Laura have come together now and sort of, you know, I, I know you watched my documentary and I called myself Susan in the documentary. And that was because that's not my real birth name. It's Laura. But now I've come to terms with the fact that I can talk about Laura. But back in the day, I got so many death threats that I sort of kept my yeah. personal life out of things and so so that being said that's why the girl name and the boy name now actually exist together and you can't you can't ask for any more heightened space as a trans person you that's why i don't like this idea of a dead name i don't like this idea that no it's not it is not a dead name without that person you are not this person Mm, mm. buck i'm in love with you (laughs) i'm in love with you (laughs) if i next time i come out to la i hope we can get lunch oh my god i'll take you out i'll go all over the place my friend we'll have a great time thank you so much for everything you've you've brought us and what you do in the world i really appreciate it means a lot thank you so that's the end of today's episode notice where you feel the episode inside of your body those sensations those expressions That's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it. Be with it. And let whatever wants to come up, come up. Because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time.
Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.